All of us at some point in our lives have probably come face to face with what's got to be the most terrifying creature in existence, which of course is the common head lice uh, at some point or another. Um, maybe you've had it when you were a kid or maybe you've had it as an adult or maybe you've had some people in your family that have maybe gone through this uh, stuff. Uh, in my home, we've had a couple battles with, with them over the years. But the worst by far happened about five years ago, and I'll never forget the scene. Um, this particular member of our household had actually, her, the head had become a, like lice planet. And uh, there was a, a small civilization happening up there. There was hospitals, grocery stores, I mean everything. It was all up there. And uh, so we did what parents do whenever one of your kids has, has lice, is you, you go out and you get the, the, the treatment. And uh, I'll never forget the scene as we... We worked the, the shampoo in there, and you remember the scene from Titanic when people start jumping off the ship <laughs> as it's sinking? It was exactly like that. <laughs> Pretty soon the sink was just full of them. And if you have the urge to itch right now, I will totally understand, and nobody in here is going to judge you if you got an itch this morning right now, because that's just how it works. But we're doing this series called Small Things. And it's all about how small things done over a long period of time create the greatest impact. And Clark last week, he did an awesome job of unpacking this and how just how today people are always looking for what, the next big thing. What's the next big thing? The Golden State Warriors this last week set the NBA record for the most wins in a season, 73 wins. And everybody's talking about the next big thing. If they can just get the next 16 wins and win the championship, then it'll be so amazing. It's always about the next big thing, but God is about going back to, God's about the small things. It's, he came as a small baby. He said if it's the, the faith of a small mustard seed that can move mountains. It's about how he, he speaks often in a still, small voice. The small things matter, but not all s- small things create the right kind of impact. Lice, trampling over your head for weeks and weeks, causing kids to miss school and parents having to spend hundreds of dollars on treatment, it's not the right kind of impact that you're looking for from small things. An apple a day keeps the doctor away, but a donut a day, not so much, right? Unfortunately, I might add. But, but here's an equation that's a simple truth for us. Foolishness plus small things equals the wrong kind of impact, whereas wisdom plus small things equals the right kind of impact. And the Bible has this incredible book called Proverbs where it's just packed full of wisdom. The Bible, of course, is all wisdom. We believe it's the Word of God. It's it's absolute truth, we believe. But Proverbs packs it all into this one book. And in the book of Proverbs, there's there's, uh, four verses at the end of it that talks about some small creatures that are actually very wise creatures, small creatures that, that do the same right small things over and over again. And as a result, they have the right kind of impact. And so we're going to read it this morning. It's found in Proverbs chapter 30, chapter 20, verse 24. It says this, four, four things on earth are small, yet they are extremely wise. Ants are creatures of little strength, yet they store up their food in the summer. Hyraxes are creatures of little power, Yet they make their home in the crags. Locusts have no king, yet they advance together in ranks. A lizard can be caught with the hand, yet it is found in king's palaces. 
So we're going to hang out in this text for the rest of our time this morning, and we're going to have a, a quick zoology class this morning. By the time you leave, you will be an expert on ants, hyraxes, lizards, and locusts. Okay? Sound good? Um, but here's four small things, regularly doing small things that are also wise things that in turn leads to good things. And it's the same thing with us, doing small things that are also wise things leads to good things. Regularly doing foolish things leads to bad things. We've learned that lesson, haven't we? But doing wise things leads to good things. First, we're going to look at the ant. This is a picture up on the screen of the leafcutter ant. Grows to be about six inches long, lives near uh, jungles and places like the Amazon, and I'm still itching from the lice illustration, but um, you're going to start itching even more after the ant illustration. Sorry about that. But when the ants go marching one by one, sometimes you don't know where they come from or where they're going. But with the leafcutter ant, you always know where they've come from and where they're going. And that's because this is what, how they march. They cut these leaves, and then they, they, they go in hordes through the forest and take them back to their nest where they store these leaves, let them accumulate fungi, and then they eat the fungi that, that grows on the leaves. And next to humans, leafcutter ants form the largest and most complex societies on the whole planet. Some of their ant colonies number in the millions of ants. In fact, recently a team of scientists was in Brazil, and uh, they discovered this abandoned ant colony. And if you see this ant colony from, from the surface, it doesn't look like anything spectacular. It just looks like a couple ground, uh, mounds of dirt. You go, yeah, there's some ants that live there. But what these scientists did is they grabbed a bunch of, of liquid concrete, they poured it all down these, these uh, abandoned tunnels, and then a month later, they, they started to dig around, dig the dirt out. And what they uncovered has been considered the, the uh, great wall of ant civilization kind of thing. It's this huge, as you can see, metropolis of, of ants. There's like super ant highways going on. There are storage tunnels. There is, uh, they even have this complex waste management system in this thing. It's incredible. And they estimate in this thing alone, there, there was over 8 million ants. How would you like to go to have your tent set up there and not realize it <laughs> until the morning? Crazy. But it's these, these ants, these, they have very little strength, and yet they have a vision, if you will, of the future, and they make it happen. They know where they want to be. They know what, they, what things need to look like. and to, They know what they got to do to get there. These ants removed 40 tons of dirt, which is a lot when you consider they're only this big. But they know what they got to do. They, they know that they, need, they can't cut down big trees. They don't have the strength for that. It would be really nice and handy to just cut down a tree and have it right outside the nest, but they, they can't do that, so they have to go back and forth, doing the small things, getting the food, bringing it back, going back any more food, bringing it back over and over and over and over again. And God includes ants in the Bible because he wants us to learn something. He wants us to see that wisdom is knowing where you want to be and then doing the small things needed to get there even though you might not like, feel, you might not feel like it. Where do you want to be in the future? I'm not talking about a place, although that could be it for, for maybe some of you, but where do you want to be as a person? Do, do you want to 
take a family vacation one day? Do, do you want to pay off debt? Do you want to be debt-free? Um, maybe send your pastor to Hawaii one day? Um, what's, what's the small thing you got to do to get there? What do you got to do? It could be saving. It could be paying down debt. Um, do you still want to be best friends with your spouse 25, 30 years from now? I hope you've got that kind of vision for your marriage. You just don't have the vision to survive and hang on until your last dying breath, but you still want to be best friends with your spouse 25, 30 years from now. What's the small thing that you got to do to get there? Could it be making time in your schedule to have regular dates together? Not finding time, making time to make that happen. What's the small thing that you got you, you to do? Maybe it's praying together more often. Know where you want to be. Know what it's going to take to get there. Get some goals to shoot for and then be like these ants and get out and, and, and make, it, make it happen. Start doing it, the Bible says. It's the small things that you do consistently. And you do them even though you might not feel like it. Did you catch in the verse when it is that the ants store their food? In the summer. Are you kidding me? In the summer? Every single one of those ants wants to be down at the beach, soaking up rays, going down to 7-Eleven, grabbing a Slurpee. They do not want to be trucking back and forth in the Amazon. But they do it, even though they don't feel like it, they, they do it. And it's the same thing for us. You might not always feel like spending time with that person that you want to spend time with. You might not always feel like going out and working your butt off to achieve whatever it is, the, the goal that you want to achieve. But when you know where you want to be, and then you be, begin to do the small things, even though you might not feel like it, it's amazing how you can begin to see vision, you can begin to see um, plans, goals, dreams, accomplished, whatever those might be. The next creature the Bible talks about is the hyrax. And if you've never heard of the, the hyrax before, you're not alone. The hyrax is not some creature out of a Dr. Seuss book. It's actually a real creature. And this is a hyrax right up here on the screen. It's a small furry creature that is both cute and diabolical looking all at the same time. <laughs> they, they, they look like they want you to come up and snuggle them, only so they can just like rip you to shreds kind of thing, right? <laughs> But, like I said, like I said, but although these guys look really tough, they are actually very weak, and they're very vulnerable. Their enemies include poisonous snakes, eagles, buzzards, leopards, hunting dogs, and wildcats. This was a fun sermon to prepare, by the way. It's just finding out about animals. But, but all these, the, these, these creatures, they enjoy Hyrax burgers, and, and the Hyrax knows this, and so what they do is they live in these colonies up in the, the crags, up in the cliffs of Middle Eastern countries like, like uh, Israel and Syria and all those kind of places. And their safety lies in doing some small things like having a lookout who makes this ugly face and screeching noise whenever danger comes near. And that tells the rest of the hyraxes, hey, you need to bolt for cover as soon as possible. The hyrax takes refuge in the rocks where there is safety and security. Wisdom is understanding that I am vulnerable and then doing the small things that will provide me with strength and protection. Did you catch that first part? Wisdom is understanding that I am vulnerable. You and I live in a culture 
where that is considered foolish thinking and that is considered weak thinking, to think that I am vulnerable. But the Bible says that that's actually a good thing, to understand that you are vulnerable and that you need strength, you need protection. When it comes to changing my self-centered heart into a loving one, breaking free of addictions, withstanding temptation, I am weak, in fact, powerless. I'm like a little hyrax. I might put up a tough front, might get my little face going every now and then. <laughs> I, I might act like I got what it takes, but, but if I'm honest, deep down, I know that I'm weak, that I'm vulnerable, that I cannot do this hard life, be who Jesus wants me to be on my own. And it's the same for all of us in the room. The, the, the hyrax goes to the rocks, but we go to the rock, don't we? Not Dwayne Johnson. We, we, go to, we go to the rock, right? Jesus, our high priest, our shepherd, our leader, the one who is a strong and, and mighty tower. The Bible says we don't have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. It doesn't say unable to sympathize with those who have weaknesses. The Bible just implies here that we've all got weaknesses. Jesus is, is able to sympathize, and it goes on to say, um, but we have one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. King David said, I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. And I'm pretty sure that David wrote that out in the desert, as he's watching hyraxes scurry off into the crags. He's going, man, Jesus, you're my rock. God, you're my refuge. And, and where's your place of protection? Do you have one? Where do you, where do you go to, to be with Jesus? Are you getting rest for your soul? Or do you think that you're just so strong that you can just work, 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 work all the time, not take some time to pull back and allow Jesus to come in and restore and give you strength are you getting in god's word today are you, are you so that when danger comes tomorrow you'll be able to stand firm are you surrounding yourself with authentic christian community are you having people in your life are you thinking no i, I got this one covered i don't really need people I, I can do it you know stop trying to do life on your own stop thinking that you're so powerful we are all vulnerable. We, we, we're like little, the little hyrax. We're susceptible to the attack of the enemy on our own. We need rest. We need people in our lives. And most of all, we need to be going to Jesus daily. We need him to be our rock, our refuge, to be our protection and our strength. The next creature the Bible talks about is the locust. The summer of 1874 it's going to go down in history as the year of the locust. The, the United States was gripped with this locust plague, you could, you could call it. Um, little farm girls and farm boys described how it was like they were out in their fields, and all of a sudden it was like this dark gray-green screen moved between the sun and the earth, and things just strangely went dim as they heard the sound of fluttering Wings and locusts clunking in the sides of barns. Farmers described it like millions of snowflakes glistening in, in the sky as the sun hit their wings. It was crazy. 
they, they estimate that in the summer of 1974, two million square miles were blanketed with locusts. The United States is 3.78 square miles. Over half the country had locusts everywhere. Um, people talked about how they'd be standing out in their fields, and it was so destructive that they'd be, they'd be standing there or probably running as the locusts came and literally ate the clothes off their body. Nuts. And it's, a, a locust and a grasshopper are actually the same thing. The only difference is in their behavior. A grasshopper stays local, it keeps to itself, and it's found in small numbers, whereas a, a locust flies in large numbers, they're migratory, and they can be extremely, extremely destructive. And the amazing thing about this mass destruction is that they accomplish all this without a leader. They just go out there and do it. They somehow know that if they advance together in large numbers or in ranks, as the Bible says, that they'll be able to do what they couldn't do if they were alone. And again, God wants us to learn something from this. He wants us to see that wisdom is realizing that I can't fulfill my life's purpose in isolation and then doing the small things that will get me in authentic Christian community. Let me just quickly unpack that kind of confusing statement, okay? You, you and I have a purpose. We talked about this a few weeks ago. Our purpose is to make much of Jesus. It's to glorify and lift high the name of Jesus. One of the primary ways that we do that is by loving one another. Jesus put it like this. He said, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So people, you could also put it like this. People will, will know that, that they'll, they'll know me, they'll see me, they'll know that, you're, that you're, you're, you're following me, that you think I'm worthy of being followed by the way you love one another. And guess what? You can't love others by yourself. Try to make that happen. Um, you, you can't live a life that points to the worth of following Jesus when you're in isolation. You need community. You need togetherness. And the church's purpose is way bigger than Sunday services is way bigger than programs. It's way bigger than buildings. It's about advancing the cause of Christ, lifting up his name, and, and helping people become like him. And as crazy as it might sound, one of the, the big ways that we do that is through loving relationships with one another. The Bible says when you love one another, people are going to look at you, okay, they're followers of Jesus, of Jesus. And there's some small things that you can do to begin moving in that direction. Get in a small group, join a ministry team. You know, for somebody, it might just be coming on a more consistent basis on a weekend and, and getting, make, making that your, your, your first step to getting in community. But get in community. That's one of the ways that we lift up Jesus and we advance the cause of Christ, lift up the name of Jesus. The last small creature that we're going to look at this morning is the lizard. My family has had a lizard at one point. It was one of the coolest pets we've ever had, but one of the most disgusting pets at the same time. It was cool in that they would creep up to the cricket, and they would zap it, and they'd swallow it, what they do, really slow. But the disgusting part of a, of a lizard, at least our lizard, I don't know if all lizards do this, is it would eat its tail all the time. I still don't know to this day why it ate its tail. If you know why, let me know. It keeps me up at night, nightmares, all kinds of stuff. But it would eat its tail. But the amazing thing about lizards is that 
um, they don't let their size hold them back. A lizard is so small that a child can go up and scoop it up in its hands. And yet, the Bible says that these lizards find their way into the palaces of kings. It does the small things right. It's shrewd. It creeps up, and it, it waits on the ledge, and it freezes as the palace guards go walking by. And then it creeps up to the other spot, and it freezes again. It gets inside the palace, and then it freezes, and it creeps up really slowly over and over again on a cricket and eats the cricket. It does the small things right, and it ends up being there in the palace. And uh, this, this is to teach us something. It's, it's to teach us a lesson. And, and here it is. Wisdom is believing that even though I'm small, when I, do, when I do small things that are also wise things, it will lead to God-sized things. Even though I'm small, when I do small things that are also wise things, it will, also, it will lead to God-sized things. All these creatures that we talked about this morning are small things. They're just average, just ordinary crickets, locusts, um, a hyrax, lizard, ants, ordinary things, but they all do extraordinary things. The ant builds ant metropolis. The locust covers huge swaths of land and destroys it. You, you've got the hyrax that avoids the, the biggest predators imaginable because of, of, of caves that, that it hides in. And then you've got these lizards. They're small, but they end up in palaces. They do the small things right, and as a result, it leads to these extraordinary things. I came to terms a lo long time ago that I'm just an average, ordinary guy. Maybe if I'd grown up in Beverly Hills and was the son of some rich, famous celebrity, I might have a harder time coming to grips with that, but... But I grew up in a, a little tiny logging fishing village that most people don't even know exists. And, and I, I get that I'm an average, ordinary guy, and I also get that that's a good thing. But here's the deal. It wasn't, it wasn't always that way because what used to happen with me is I would let that average, ordinary, everyday part of me, who I am, I would let that keep me from stepping out and doing some of the bigger things that God was asking me to do. A, a quick example, four years ago, I felt like God was saying, Rich, you need to step up and lead. You are put here in Ferndale, in, in this church, CTK Ferndale for a reason. You need to step up and, and lead in a, in a level that you're not comfortable with. And I, I hesitated. I had all the excuses. I knew from the time I was about 15 that God was preparing me and getting me ready for this day. And I had all those excuses all along, all ready to, to, to roll. I can't. I'm not qualified. Uh, there's people that have better credentials. There's people that have better resumes. There, there's people that, that are just way more suited for the job than me. I can't do it. But then, just four years ago, I came across this verse. God led me to this verse in the Bible that's become one of my life verses. It's an obscure, obscure verse. In Psalm 78, it describes the journey of King David. And it, it just simply says this. It says, he chose God chose David, his servant, and took him from the sheep pens. I thought, oh, sheep pens, that's, that's pretty ordinary. Nothing like razzle-dazzle about that. David, he, here he is, he's in the sheep pens, he's a farmer. And God took him from tending the sheep, and he brought him to be the shepherd of his people Jacob, of Israel, his inheritance. And then David begins 
I mean, you, you've heard the story, if you've been around the church, he does some extraordinary things. He kills Goliath and establishes Israel as the, the, this, this nation. He does some God-sized things. And the Bible doesn't, it, it doesn't set aside a whole book to describe all the leadership principles of David's life. It'd be pretty awesome if, if it did, but it doesn't do that. It doesn't just lay out his game plan. It just talks about some small things that David did. It says, and, and, and David shepherded them, which in other words is he loved and he cared for people. And he did that with integrity of heart, with skillful hands, he led them. And it's like God said, Rich, it's not that complicated. I'm just asking you to, to go and do this. And I thought, okay, God, with your help, I think I, I, think I can do that. Those are some small things. I think I can do that. And I don't know how you see yourself or what you believe is possible through your life, but, but I can tell you how God sees you. He sees you as someone through, through, who, who, through whom he can do some pretty great things, some God-sized things, if you'll just say yes to the small things. I'm stoked to hear about what's, gonna, what's going on in Mexico. And this has been a lot of small things that have been happening over the years as, you know, Bobby and, and, and some of the, the other ladies that she's been working with over the years, they've done a lot of small things over the years, hammering out budgets and, and, and putting plane flights together and um, going down into Quatsinga. And, and you saw the, the pictures this morning. God-sized things are happening as a result. And, and, and more... Things are happening over the next few months with, with, with Augie and Moan and the team. Small things that are going to lead to God-sized things. And that's just how God works. When we say yes, God, to whatever that small thing is that he wants us to do, even though it might scare us, maybe it's stepping up to serve in an area that you're not used to serving in. Maybe God is saying, hey, I want you to lead over here. Maybe God is saying, hey, I want you to, 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 to just start loving your spouse on a whole new level. Whatever it might be, when you begin to do those small things, God will do some pretty big things through that. And I want to just wrap up this morning by simply asking you a question. It's the question that you're going to hear every week of this series. The realest question is, what's the, the next big thing? Jesus' question is, what's your next small thing? What is your next small thing? And I hope this morning that God's already been speaking to your heart. You, maybe it's something that was brought up in the message this morning. Maybe it's something completely different. But what is your next small thing? And I would ask that you would wrestle with God over what that is. Maybe it's today. Maybe it's tomorrow. Maybe it's keep wrestling with, in, in prayer, just simply asking Jesus, Jesus, what is it? What, Jesus, what is the next small thing you want me to do? Maybe the next small thing for you isn't even a to-do. Maybe it's a to-believe. What's the next small thing that God wants you to believe? Maybe he wants you to believe that you really are a child of God. That'll transform your life when you really get that into your heart and soul. What does he want you to do? What's the next small thing that he wants you to do or, or maybe believe? And, and then go out and begin, begin to do that in your strength. Um, with the strength of others around you, and Jesus' strength begin, begin to do whatever that next small thing is. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for including this story in the Bible of these four small creatures to encourage us.
to point us in the right direction, Lord, to help us see how much we need you, to help us see how much we need people, to help us see what, what's possible, Jesus, when we get on mission with you. Lord, I thank you so much for, for this. And I just want to pray, Lord, that you would show us, Lord, whatever that, that next small thing is that you want us to begin to do. Maybe it has something to do with our spouse. It could have something to do with our family, with our kids, with our parents. Maybe it has something to do in the area of service and getting involved in ministry. Um, maybe it, it might have something to do with uh, our community, with school. I don't know what it is, Jesus, but Lord, I pray that you would speak to each heart that's, that's in this room right now and show us what that next small thing is that you want us to do. And then Jesus, begin to work through that for the sake of your name, for the sake of your glory, I pray. In your name, Jesus. Amen.